0: Hi, Steve Arterburn here, and welcome to the New Life Live podcast. We hope to provide help and hope in your life through God's Word, counselors, and psychologists as we answer questions from listeners who call with the challenges of life. Let's go to today's episode. Now, here's Steve
1: not Steve and it's probably not morning where you're hearing this so I just it's Becky Brown and I am with Dr. Jim Burns and Dr. Jill Hubbard will be here shortly and we are taking your calls 1-800-229-3000 we're so grateful to have this um, opportunity to connect with you and if you're struggling somewhere in life you know it could be a relationship could be maybe you're dealing with anxiety because there's so much going on in the world If you've watched the news lately, you might um, have that anxiety. But uh, you know, we always love to hear um, your wisdom, Jim. What do you have to share with us today?
2: Well, you know what? I I was telling somebody today, Becky, by the way, that my uh, I was talking to somebody in my office, and I said I absolutely love being here. I love being with Mm -hmm. New Life. I love the listeners. I think you're amazing, and uh, Mm -hmm. and I know Steve. You know, I've known him for so long. And I was thinking today that a lot of the calls that I hear somehow they use the word addiction, alcohol, something like that, you know, and it may not, you know, maybe it's not even the presenting problem, but you know, my father was an alcoholic or my husband, you know, had, was, was unfaithful and he's an alcoholic, whatever it might be. And so I thought for a moment, we'd talk a little bit about something Steve and I actually wrote about years and years ago. It was a book called drug proof, your kids. Mm. And, um, a lot of parents we found when we wrote this was that we did not they did not understand what we call gateway drugs. So kids start age 12 first drink today. It was back when I was younger it was age 14 and a half so the world has changed. Beer and wine. Then you move pretty quickly to nicotine. And a lot of times parents will say, "Well, my kids don't smoke cigarettes. I can't smell any smoke." But today it's not the cigarette, it's vaping. And nicotine is one of the strongest Drugs known to humankind. The interesting side about nicotine is that it, 80% of kids who smoke or vape will try a, a stronger drug. People miss that. If they don't smoke or vape, only 20% will try a stronger drug. So that's a big deal. And we, that's a part of the gateway. Then it moves to harder alcohol and marijuana. Harder alcohol, two things on it quickly. One is there's a biological predisposition towards alcoholism. My dad was an alcoholic, so there's a greater chance that I'm going to be an alcoholic. And I need to be aware of that. And, my, and as a parent, I need to make my kids aware of that. Also, there's a high tolerance. All alcoholics or drug addicts have a high tolerance toward the drug of choice. And so sometimes people say, well, I'm not an alcoholic. I can drink five beers and I'm not sloshy drunk. Well, if you can drink five beers and you're not sloshy drunk, you probably are a budding alcoholic or an alcoholic, see? Then we, and marijuana, marijuana is five to 20 times stronger today's marijuana than it was when even, you know, us adults were younger. So, you know, it's a, it's a. Very big drug. Marijuana, if somebody smokes marijuana, much greater chance that they'll move to the tougher stuff, which is, you know, the heroin and cocaine and meth and, you know, all the rest. So the reason I bring all that up is because I don't think a lot of parents teach their kids this, but a lot of us don't understand that stuff too. And Mm -hmm. I'm concerned about it. I mean, you you see that all the time.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think um, is the hindrance there is the lack of communication between family members about history and just how do you begin those conversations and uh i remember cuz my grandfather who i didn't know was an alcoholic my parents from an early you know it's like it will kill you <laughs> that was basically the right. message right. and but the great thing about that was that it wasn't attached to some um religious value it yep. was really about yeah. your sanity your health yep. and i think it's a it's a really good conversation you know maybe if you're a parent and you haven't had that conversation, don't even know how to, you know, call us because it it is an important conversation. And to speak into the lives of your children about who they are, not just, you know, obviously, you know, the risk of becoming an alcoholic, but that they have a purpose by God and an identity that they are loved. And uh, we just want to we want to give that message to them so they don't call. having healthy
3: marriages.
4: To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live.
1: Welcome back. We are here for you. We want to help you with whatever messaging, like what Jim was talking about earlier, whether it is between parent and child, or maybe you're a couple. But one of the messages I want to give you right now is if you're a man struggling with sexual integrity, or if you are a wife with a husband who's struggling with sexual integrity this weekend, we're going to be in Dallas with their every man's battle intensive and it could make all the difference in the world. I remember a testimony from a, a, an alumni who said if it weren't for every man's battle, he would have lost everything. He would have lost his wife, his family, his legacy. And it was, it was the hardest thing that he did to make the decision to go but he does not regret it at all and has become a huge um, supporter of the ministry because of the change in his legacy. Men, if you're struggling with this area, there is help. There is hope. It And, you know, if you just join us there, it is uh, – a Great time for you to change the legacy of your family, of your life. We want to invite you in. So uh, we hope to see you this weekend. Right now, we are going to go to the calls, and we are going to talk with um, Karen, who's calling us from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, listens on the Internet. Hi, Karen, how are you, and how can we help you today?
3: Hi, hi. Thank you guys for being there. I, I'm just, I love you guys. Um, I'm just having a little bit of a issue. Hopefully, you can help me. Um, I have a therapist that i've been seeing for a number of years, and she had a death in her family last week
5: mm.
3: and i which she had told me about't um, she, she just said that she was she had the family loss we had to reschedule our appointment and um, I found out on my own more information about it, and what i'm wondering is um, I'm having, you know, some a lot of feelings around it for her mm-hmm. and myself. So a lot of feelings, and I'm wondering what I can do to help myself and be helpful to her at this time.
1: Mm. That's a great question, Karen, and it's great that you have that sensitivity towards her, Jill. What would you? Yeah,
6: Karen. First offer? of all, I don't know if you have your radio on or not, but. Um
3: I do not. Okay. There's no radio. On. Okay. Just myself. I'm on my cell phone.
6: Okay. Great. So, Karen, um, a couple of things. It, you know, when you're going to a person for help and you are counting on them, we, t- you know, as the help e we tend to, um, you know, see the person as kind of invincible at times, right? And and mm. our job as therapists is to solely be there. For you in the room. And so when part of our life kind of leaks into that environment, it is hard. It's a kind of a realization, oh, she's not immune, right? And it also can bring up some loss for you. Like what if something happens to her or she's taken out by this when I depend on her so
3: much, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it's funny you said that because I did think, One of my thoughts was, what if she can't come back and I lose her help? Right. Yeah, that was one of my thoughts.
6: Right. Mm. And that's where, you know, we bring all of our ages into that therapy room. And Mm. some of the younger parts of us, you know, that had dependency needs that were not fully met in childhood Mm -hmm. we get a chance to have them met in therapy so what is you know one of the things for a a young child is what if something happens to my mom or dad right that would be devastating what if they die what so i think as adults when we um, are in a situation where those longings can be stirred up or those feelings right we have some of those same feelings even though our adult mind goes, Oh, okay, we know what's going on here the younger yeah. part of us is still reacting. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right? So I, I that makes sense. Yeah. So I think it's interesting though that you kind of search to find out more information, right? About mm-hmm. her.
3: I know. I well, because I my first thought was, Oh, I hope it's nobody close yeah. to her. Yeah. And I just thought, Oh, I really I, I just hope it's somebody that's, she hasn't met, because I don't want her to have all that pain. Right. It's, I don't know, it's kind of crazy. Well, um, but but I think but, that
6: shows the... And l- then I
3: just, did a, I just did a quick, you know, yeah. like, search on Google for obituaries, and, yeah. you know, it came out. Yeah. But, um, so... I guess, yeah, I don't know why, I just wanted to know. I, well... I probably shouldn't have done that. I
6: think you were scared. I think you what, were. Okay. I think you were scared about again what I just talked about, and so I think yeah. what's going to be important first of all that you recognize those parts of you, right, uh-huh. and that kind of the sometimes we need the adult part of us to comfort those younger parts, um, okay. like you know people have losses, people have major losses. It doesn't yeah. mean they stop their life right they yeah. take a time out yeah. and then they come back and so it's yeah. important for you to remind yourself of that and okay, then when yes. she does come back it's going to be very important for you to tell her and to even tell her that you looked it up and to oh, tell I her to. Yeah. i no. know but it's really <laughs> important for your work together
3: is it really yes oh, otherwise God.
1: you have this secret right Okay. And you feel bad, Karen. Yeah. You feel bad right now. So, yeah, you definitely need to talk to her about it.
6: And, and you can I tell really her about what we talked about, right? And I want mm-hmm. you to reflect on the younger parts of you and perhaps how in childhood you were scared or fearful of loss.
3: Um, yeah, well, she knows all that. We actually okay. have been doing IFS therapy. Okay, and good. She knows a lot about my history. Yeah, she's aware of it.
6: So, I think to bring that it back into the room and just let her know and tell her you feel bad but you were worried and worried about her and you weren't quite sure how to handle it. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Jim, okay. Jim, what would you offer to Karen? And, and Karen, I I appreciate your Karen and uh and love for this for this woman. You have to understand that every therapist deals with therapy in a different manner. Some therapists have a professional relationship with you and they actually don't want to talk to you about some of their personal life and they don't have to. That's what a, you know, I don't go to my doctor and find out all kinds of things about, you know, his personal life. He doesn't offer. She may yeah. have that. And then she may be more, you know, she said to you, there was loss. So when Jill says, you know, ask, don't expect that, you know, you're I'll. And this may sound crazy to you, but you're not her best friend and right. that doesn't right. mean right. that that's not a bad sense she's there to work for you she's there to help you so some yeah. will say thank you so much and just leave it at that thank you for your condolences thank you for your care and others will say oh yeah it was a hard thing and and even you know mm-hmm. give you you know a little bit of time but don't have an expectation there. Just your expectation is, I'm sorry for your loss. And then pretty much leave it mm. at that and see how she reflects on that. That's my thought. Is well, they and, really I, are different. And I
3: actually can, did.
2: Can, I can, okay. Yeah, I actually did talk to her once. Huh? Okay. It happened. Yeah. Okay.
3: And I did say that. I said I was really sorry for mm-hmm. her loss. Yeah. And she thanked me. That's yeah. exactly how it went. Right. And then That's we great. went on to talk about my issues. Yeah. issues.
6: Great. You know, So she's of, still considering things, you during this time, it sounds like. And how yeah, it might she, impact um, you.
3: She is, definitely. She, um, I had a session with her um, after, like, mm. five days after it, or wow. six days after it happened. Mm-hmm. She asked so, me if I wanted, yeah. So
6: I want you to see that she's able to multi-attend. Mm-hmm. She's attending to yeah. her life, but she's also not forgetting about you, Karen. Yeah. And she's yeah, aware yeah. that this might be difficult. And so she's offering you something to fill the gap.
1: And oh, yeah. I just want to yeah. circle back, though, Karen, because here's the thing. With that guilt that you're feeling yeah. for looking her up,
0: yeah. all of us
1: in the 21st century know <laughs> that Google is out there, yeah, AI easy. is out there. We, yeah, it is. It is really easy. But I don't, I don't think it's therapeutically helpful for you to hold that yeah. guilt. Exactly. And that it can be really powerful for you to say, I even looked it up because I was concerned, and then drop it at that. The therapist will be able to talk through that. Sure. You know, the therapeutic relationship is so important. And like you said, Jill, yeah. we don't want secrets. We don't want, you know, to have this kind of unequal uh, experience. And the therapist really yeah. wants to attend to what is important. And, and this could be a big block for you, Karen. And so you don't want to risk the relationship that you've created with her. Um, I'm, a, I'm glad that you mentioned that it she to her. Would then, like, not,
3: yeah, I did. Well, I mentioned, yeah, that yeah, you know, I was sorry, but the part about that I looked it up, I didn't tell her. Yeah, right, I, right. But like, I'm just afraid that she'll like, I don't know, be really irritated with me that I overstepped my boundaries.
6: Okay, and has she ever been really irritated with you?
3: Um. I, yeah, I think there's there's been a couple of times that I felt like she was.
6: And did you guys talk about it?
3: Um, um, not yet. I didn't bring it up. I don't think, I I didn't bring it up. That's the other thing I think I should bring it up. Yeah, so this is
6: another thing. I think when you tell her, also tell her the fear that you have that she's going to be mad at you, that there's going to be a rupture to the relationship there. Okay. okay. Because this okay. is helping you to go deeper, mm-hmm. Karen. Yeah. So I'm trying to okay. push you to go deeper in your work with her. Okay. 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 Because it will really help facilitate you in other relationships.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. and Jill. Okay. Jill and Karen. Jill and I both as therapists. <laughs> We appreciate honesty yeah. in, the, in yep. the room because we don't know and we don't want to be in the way of your process. So that's why we're trying to push you towards right. just be real and yeah, learn and about like, yourself like in the process.
6: Becky said it's so easy to find out information now. It's not like she's going to be oh, surprised yeah. that you did no, this. No.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And you can okay. – it's okay, right. though, Karen. And it's, it's going to be better for you in the long run because you don't want to feel guilty – or something you know that you could talk to her about, and right. she'll direct you in the way if she has feelings about it. That's also a process that you have to enter into. And it's you know, one of the things the reason why I'm belaboring the point yeah. is because for all of you who are listening that may be. In that same situation, I can tell you the therapist, if they are ethical, professional, they want to hear what is going on in your mind about the relationship. Versus
6: people do something, feel guilty, and then they leave treatment. Yes, 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 yes. That's why you're going to therapy. Bring everything. That's right into the room. Yeah. And relationships
2: are a a process, Karen, and and therapy is a process. So there's, there's, sometimes there's ups and downs even in therapy. Yeah, Well, it's the same with a relationship. So you get closer sometimes by saying, Hey, look at here. I did something, you know, because different therapists are going to look at it differently. I would look at it personally, if you were in a relationship with me and I'd go, Oh my gosh, how, how nice of her to find out that, you know, it's out there. I mean, I can't, I can't hide
6: public information. Yeah. So so, if I, if,
2: if you did something that was, it's mm-hmm. not wrong. like you
6: went and like, took no. mail out of her mailbox no, or something, exactly. right? <laughs> then that's
2: one thing. But the truth is, is that you can find out pretty much anything you want about anybody yeah. by going online. Right. If they, if, and especially when somebody has passed, you know, there are things yeah. called obituaries, yeah. like you found it. Um, right. Social media, things like that.
6: Okay, but well, Becky, can I? I wanted to address one more thing, and Jim, off of kind of what you were saying about therapists, and so just to clarify a, a little bit in terms of therapists and what they share, right? And I think there are different, as you said, different orientations to therapy that people adhere to. But all that we do is supposed to be in the service of our clients, right? So if we don't share a lot of details, it's because we're trying to protect the space and not burden a client with things about our life, right? Right. Sometimes it feels more relational with certain clients to give a little more information or you've seen them a long time. And so you give a little more, right? right? But it should be for the benefit of the client, not the indulgence of the therapist.
1: I agree. I agree. Karen, we're going to send you a copy of healing is a choice, which I think can help you along this process as well. But you know, we are for therapy. We really are. I mean, we've got a network of counselors. We've got life coaches. We have these intensives. We really want people to experience their new life, you know, and whatever it is that's going to keep you from moving forward, we want to, you know, overcome those obstacles. And I think, Karen, it's great that you were honest about this, and it's going to be a brave step to be Mm -hmm. honest in the therapy room. But uh, boy, I tell you, we get some great therapists that do some really incredible work. I hear uh, testimonies from people all the time. Thank you, New Life, for sending us to the counselor in our area, because it made all the difference in our world. And we just, you know, even going back to what you were talking about, Jim, in the beginning, you know, whether it's drugs and alcohol or whether it's family histories, a counselor can be the great
4: life coach today. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment, call toll free 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live.
1: Welcome back. You got Dr. Jill Hubbard and Jim Burns taking your calls along with me, Becky Brown. And we are, I just want to invite you, if you are on social media anywhere, we are too. New Life is everywhere and we've got great content and we've got the information, um, but it's also a way for you to share new life with your social feeds as well because you know when you share something sharing is caring and so we <laughs> want to care about people in our lives right now we're going to care about matthew who's calling us from salem north carolina listens on sirius xm hello matthew thanks for calling how can i help you today, or how can we help you today
4: hey good morning uh i appreciate you uh you taking my phone call um i was just calling because you know i i recently was like uh it's like born again and started like committing back with my faith uh god called me back through a situation that i was going that i'm going through still personally and you know my love for god is like overwhelming but one thing i struggle with is having grace with certain like situations or like um i'll get like angry at my like myself or at like the circumstance that i'm dealing with and I you know I pray on it and, you know, I ask God for, you know, strength. Because obviously we know, like, he has everything, you know, he knows about it before any of us. But I just really am trying to work on my on my grace and just, you know, any, any tips or help would, would be, like, really appreciated.
1: That's great, Matthew. And I'm so grateful that you made that choice. Let's start with you, Jim.
2: Absolutely. Way to go, Matthew. I can even hear it in your voice. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that when somebody says, I've made a commitment to Jesus. I'm, I've am i been born again. I love that phrase. We don't use it very often anymore, but that's exactly what takes place inside. The, the, the tough thing is, is that miraculously we become a Christian, and we are in right relationship with God, but life still goes on. And so I'm going to give you two theological words. One is justification. So what that means is, just as if I've never sinned, because you became a Christian, you are now free in Christ. Christ lives in your life you have a relationship with him that's beautiful that's called justification sanctification is another theological term you didn't know you were calling for theolo- the- theology here matthew but the uh sanctification means the process that's what you're doing now the rest of your life is a process of working on your grace, working on your forgiveness, working on your stuff. And now you're allowing God to help you. That doesn't mean that he, that he takes it away. I mean, sometimes he does, but it's more, more than not. It's a process. There are things I'm still working. I've been a Christian for 53 years. Okay. And, uh, I just had a, I celebrated my time. I became a Christian on February 14th of all days, Valentine's day. But anyway, the point being that, there's still things that I'm working through, but I think if I look back, I'm doing better at. So because you want to work on grace and because you want to work on your anger issues, then roll up your sleeves. That's Now you're a disciple of Christ. Roll up your sleeves, allow Christ to help you, and work through that. So I find that one of the ways to do that is actually by getting uh, – it could be a coach. It could be a counselor. It could be a pastor. It could be a mentor in your life and kind of work through it. I also find that if I read books, so there's some great books on, on working through anger and grace, now now you now you put the work at it. It doesn't mean that you're, you, you became a Christian, not on anything you did. It was only bringing Christ into your life. But now you're going to improve those issues by sanctification, which means growing in Christ and becoming more like him day after day, year after year. I have a good phrase, and I'll let Jill uh, talk, but um, I have a friend named John Ortberg, and he, his phrase is love god and do the right thing i just love that and what i said to john recently is i've changed your quote he goes you can't change my quote got well i did i said love god do the right thing and get up in the morning and do the same thing over and over again every day for the rest of my life and, yes. th- and that's what you're gonna do and so when yeah. you call next year you're gonna say you know what i'm doing a little better on that grace thing i'm doing a little better on the anger thing and it's with god's help and give him the glory and you know as you move on This may not be your issue, or it may be an issue that that because you've been working on it, you're going to see improvements.
5: That's
6: right. Jill? So, Matthew, okay, so here's another saying. Uh, The closer we get to the light, the dirtier we see that we are. Mm, mm, mm. And so God shines light on us, and then we look in the mirror and it's like, oh, I have all these issues. So Mm. it sounds like what you described is that you lack grace for yourself. And then in circumstances. So I don't know if that includes other people, but there's some issues of anger here, right? So I would challenge you to maybe, like Jim was saying, get with someone, maybe even a therapist and explore some of your anger issues. And then, Becky, I'm going to use... What you just told us. So at the break we were talking about expectations. And it sounds like maybe you have some expectations. And Becky had said expectations are secret standards. So you maybe inside have some standards for yourself and maybe you were hoping that you know, being born again things would melt away, you'd be completely different all at once. And it is disappointing to say, oh, you mean I still need to keep working on these things. But what has happened in your life that makes you so hard on yourself, that makes you have maybe these secret standards or these unrealistic expectations for yourself, for life, circumstances, uh, for other people? Because life is difficult. Right. There's another saying I'm full of cliches today. Um, and, and it's hard. And we have to accept that life is difficult. But then we move, keep moving yeah. through it. Right? Right. right.
1: Well, I hope, Matthew, that something we said is helpful. I'm going to send you a copy of the Life Recovery Bible, which will give you some of those uh, processes that we just talked about. Um, You know, we're going to do our emotional freedom uh, online workshop, March 16th online, which could be a great way for you to spend the day with us and to learn a little bit more about what is underneath all that anger and that lack of grace.
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Club New Life supporters who give a monthly donation because they want to continue to offer help and hope in these very, very difficult places. To find out more about Club New Life, you can go to our website, newlife.com, or call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now, if you're new to us, we drop an episode every weekday. We would love it if you would rate or write a review, which helps more people discover help and hope, and helps us share wisdom with as many people as possible. Now, let's listen to our counselors as they help people walk through life's hardest places.
1: KLA. Hello Charles, how can we help you today? Uh, hello. Are you there Charles?
7: Uh, yes, I am. Can you hear me?
1: Okay. Me? Yes, I can.
7: Hi.
0: Hi.
1: Hi.
7: So, do I ask the question, right? Yes, that would be great.
1: Ask the question. <laughs>
7: All right. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So, no worries. No worries. I've been struggling with addiction and I've been going to treatment for these various addictions, but the treatment has not worked. And so, what so the question is what should I do? What should I do?
1: Okay, well. Uh, when you say treatment, are you talking about inpatient? Are you talking about 12-step groups, counselor? What, are, what kind of I'm treatment talking have you about, done, Charles? like,
7: great psych therapy. So I go into the room, the therapist is there with their notes, and then we just sit there, and I, I, I love what's on my mind, and then the, ther- the therapist will tell me options on what I can do, but then I try these options, and it doesn't work.
1: Okay, what options have you tried? Okay, so these options, these
7: options, like, consist of just working hard, being dedicated, you know, reading a couple of books, um, being the best I can be.
6: Charles, you know? can, can you tell us what your addiction is? What's your addiction of choice?
7: I have three addictions. Okay, tell us. Okay. My first addiction is alcoholism. Okay. And then the other two fall into the same category. They're called gooning and joking.
1: Okay. So drugs and alcohol are your... So it's affecting the way that your thought process is too. Um, Because that's what we know about... Yeah. Well, so let's talk about a 12 step process. You know, it is uh, good to go with a counselor, but it's also, we believe in the power of those 12 step groups. And so we would want you to be involved in, we have life recovery, there's local alcohol, um, anonymous groups, and we can get you connected with that. Um, I don't know, Jim, would you oh, add anything yeah. else to
2: that? Yeah. Well, you know what, it's a, it's a step. So you've tried something, it doesn't work. So you move to the next step. And I would be surprised if your counselor hadn't suggested that you go into a group. Uh, I happened to walk my dog the other day. I looked down. There was an Alcoholics Anonymous group meeting and a Narcotics Anonymous group meeting down by where I live. And I just – I walked around. It's outside. I live by the beach. And these people, I just – I praise them because they're going through that process with others. So if it doesn't work with that therapist, then tr- keep talking to your therapist, but move to something else. Sometimes people well, have to even go in treatment, in-house treatment.
6: But but instead of saying, okay, it's not working because I'm going to this one thing, yeah. just going to therapy alone for addiction probably is not enough, yeah, right. right? I wouldn't give up the therapy. I would just keep yeah. adding things until... You've added enough that contains you and does work. So, in addition to right. therapy, therapy, meetings every single day, three times a day if you have to. Okay. If that right. isn't effective, then you need to go into some kind of program mm-hmm. where, and, and, right. and see, here's the thing it's hard for you to implement what the therapist is telling you because as long as you are continuing, you're using your brain is not working correctly and it really takes you mm-hmm. at least 30 days of being separated from substances to begin to start thinking clearly That's right, right? That's so right. if That's you right. cannot stay separated from substances then a detox program is in order that would be the first That's line right. of defense you need some separation so your brain can come back online does that make sense That's Charles right. Well
1: well and he's okay. no longer with us but i but you know what we'll do is we'll get you connected with one of our partner treatment centers we mm-hmm. partner with people and treatment centers across the country with a solid christian um, program, as well as drug and alcohol uh, treatment. But you're right, Jill. Sometimes yeah. we tell people it's 90 meanings in 90 days. Oh, absolutely. There's got Always. To be, yeah, <laughs> there's got to be a shift in that. So we are so glad that you called, Charles. We're going to send you a copy of the Life Recovery Bible as well, because it's in, it's got the 12 steps, it's got the process for recovery, and we'll get you connected with a treatment center as well as with um, a life recovery group or 12-step group. We want you to experience freedom from that addiction. and We're glad you called today. We're going to go back to the calls. We're going to talk to Cindy, who called us from Dallas, Texas. Listen, is Diane, KWRD. Hello, Cindy. How can we help you today?
8: Hi, guys. I just love what you do on a daily basis. But I do have a quick question. I would really like to know what are the signs of gaslighting? What does that really look like? Um and I have a, my daughter I really feel that she's in a relationship that where she may be experiencing that but I'm not really sure of what to look for when it comes to actual gaslighting someone
1: That's a great question Cindy and you know it is something that we do talk about but we mm-hmm. don't always explain it Jill uh, yeah. let's start with you So
6: Cindy gaslighting yes, is yes. when a person messes with another person's reality Okay, so we all need to be based in reality. We need to know what's true. And that's how we establish trust when we know what's true. And when someone tells you, even in the face of you having the evidence that what you're seeing or feeling or thinking or know isn't true, um, it's very disorienting. And so if you feel wow. confused a lot or, like, you can't quite figure out what's going on or someone, yeah, tell, no, 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 that didn't happen, when you, kind of, when you know that it did, that is gaslighting.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or do they, you know, make it, uh, they,
6: they make it all your fault. They don't take ownership. Right. That's another form.
1: Jim, do you remember? And Jill, you guys, you both might remember the old movie from like the 1940s. Oh yeah, where uh, that I think the actual movie was called Gaslight, wasn't it? And uh, that's where well, the term, that is where came, the term from. came from. Yeah, and but it's what Jill was talking about, Cindy. Uh-huh. But Jim, do you have anything that you want to add yeah, to that?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to ask you a question after I say this. This is kind of a definition. I'm mean, I actually look it up, so I'm I'm on my phone looking mm-hmm. at something, and it says, gaslighting is about yep. one person trying to gain control. Okay of someone else, which is what Mm. Jill said. And where do you see that happening, Cindy, with your daughter and this relationship?
8: Well, because she used to be so firm in her decision-making. And I was, you know, around the both of them. And I just noticed, like, we were talking about doing something. And soon as he said, oh, no, I think I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to do that. She was like, okay, well, Mom, I don't think that's going to be, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it either. And I'm like, what? Like, we always do this, you know? Like, it really shocked me because she didn't give a thought to anything that, you know, our our loyalty to each other, you know, what Mm. we, you know, and I understand you're in a relationship, but, like, this is just something that he would have had to get used to. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Oh, like, me and my mom do this all the time. But I was like, wow. Yeah, so I, he,
6: I don't, that may, yeah. might be a little different than what you're asking about in terms of gaslighting. I don't, I don't know if gaslighting is going on, but it sounds like she's being overly accommodating. So this person, um, like she's accommodating to maybe keep the relationship. Um, she's got to fit more into what he wants, maybe kind of losing some of herself. hmm That could be part of it. Right. The other thing is when our kids do get into relationship, sometimes their priorities change. Right. Mm -hmm. And And the the relationship with us has to do some adjusting
1: as well. Yeah.
2: Right. The decision you'll have to make, Cindy, is this about her or is it about you? Yeah, and I might, I'm not yeah. sure if that's the case, but the fact is, is that she may, you know, in relationship, I've got three daughters and they have son, uh, husbands now and they make decisions that I wish they wouldn't make because I want them to spend more time with me. And they say, well, you know, it doesn't work out with Andy's schedule. Wait, what do you mean? I'm your dad. I wanted you always to spend time with me. Your situation may be where she's moving from dependence on you to independence. And that could be a good thing. I'm not saying it is, but right. I didn't hear gaslighting in that illustration.
1: Right. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you a copy of Dr. Sherry Kepper's book, Intimate Deception, because she has a whole chapter on gaslighting in that book. And I think that can help you, um, whether that's part of their relationship or not. You know, But it's a great question. We have to learn about these things um, and maybe watch the movie. Who knows? I mean, no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> We're glad you called, Cindy. We're going to continue taking calls right after this break. Thanks for listening to New Life Live. For most of my life, I've been dealing with an opiate addiction.
4: Why is opioid addiction quickly becoming one of our nation's biggest killers? Maybe it's because it isn't only those who are addicted who are in denial. We did what I see so many parents do, is it can't be an addiction there's something medically wrong it's impossible to solve a problem when you don't know what you're up against and families will try to find any explanation except the one that will put them on the right path alcoholism and drug addiction is a family disease it doesn't affect just the individual if someone you love is abusing painkillers know what you're up against it's time to admit it's addiction and seek treatment Call us today at 1-800-NEW-LIFE. We have partner treatment centers around the country. Call 1-800-639-5433 or visit us online at newlife.com.
1: We just made a decision. We will do whatever it takes. Podcast. Hello, Carol. How
5: can we help you today? Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I am very concerned about my grandson. Um, He's three years old, and my daughter-in-law has self-diagnosed herself with, uh, autism, OCD, uh, a slew of things, anxiety. She, um, has meltdowns. She has what she calls dysregulation. She does self harm. She, there's mm. holes in the wall, um, kicks, mm. you know, uh, has really some horrible anxiety episodes, panic attacks. However, she does not see a psychiatrist, so she has never been officially diagnosed with by a psychiatrist. And she seeks out therapy um, only if it's what she thinks she has. And so, my question is: How can the family? Um, what she lives in California. Uh, the husband actually called nine one one. Um, because she was hurting herself and she was in a, in you know hiding and things like that, and and the police said, um, basically, you know, we don't want to escalate the problem. Uh, she has to willingly go to the hospital or willingly go get help. So, what does the family do? Um, well, wow, Carol, mm-hmm. she's bipolar. In the family, she has a mother that has bipolar and a son i mean sorry and a, a brother who uh, actually killed himself uh, he was diagnosed with bipolar actually diagnosed with it okay well that's mm. terrible
1: yeah. uh, jill let's help carol okay. get direction
6: wow carol so this is your son's family correct <laughs> and and they're married they are
5: married, okay. they've been married six years, okay, and he's in the home. He's in the home, and he has tried everything uh he's in in a sense he's kind of enabling the situation in that mm-hmm. he tries to do everything that she needs to have done, and he's pretty much managing everything uh he, She's not able to even care for her child. Hmm. Um, they have him in daycare. Um she's not with him very off long if it is at home.
6: Right. Um so well it's, it's very and very serious. Yeah, no, it's very serious. And that is wise on your son's part. I mean he does need to step in and be the parent and protect that little boy. Um right. because in her self diagnosing um she's not self-seeking help it sounds like um and and so creating a really difficult situation i i know that at times it seems easier to kind of appease a person try to keep some stability and and that's what your son is doing um the problem Mm -hmm. is that It's just going to go from crisis to crisis and kind of managing. And it sounds like he called 911 when he could no longer manage it. She really needs to get in with a psychiatrist. And so somehow somehow he has got to tell her, we're going to a psychiatrist. This isn't
5: working, right? And whatever... Okay. Go ahead. He he has... He has, but she will not go. Mm. And, and you cannot force somebody to go, apparently, right. in California.
1: Right.
6: Right. No. Um, you can't force them to go. Okay. So, um, I, I mean, that it, it is a very difficult situation. And so he may have to take added steps then. Right. Right. I, I need you to go to the psychiatrist for the safety of our family. Mm. And because I'm concerned about you. And if you're unwilling to do that, then I'm going to have to take more steps to protect our son and myself from what is happening with you. And that may look like, you know, he may have to
5: leave.
2: Right. Carol, are you familiar with the word intervention? Uh,
5: I do, yes. I, as yeah. a matter of fact, I've mentioned that to them, yeah. that they need intervention.
2: Yeah, and it sounds like uh, your son may not know what an interventionist can do. and. uh mm-hmm. And it it really, truly may be at a point where intervention works. It's crazy because mm-hmm. they'll say, "No, I'm not going to go," and then some loved ones get around them, and they do it in the right way with with some help And it really mm-hmm. does it, i you know you've see, I, the the results of intervention doesn't it's not hundred percent, but it's really high. And, uh, and even Becky, we at home at New York, we have, we have an interventionist Mm -hmm. who they could even talk to. So Mm -hmm. you, you may want to, you know, kind of do some investigating. We'll let Becky tell you a little bit even right now about intervention, but that may be the way to go. Um, that way it doesn't put him as the bad guy. It puts a number of people saying, we love you so much. We want to help you. If you don't do this, here's what's going to happen. And sometimes right. that works. With, and bipolar is tough.
5: Yeah.
8: Uh, it's, it's untreated
2: it's tough. bipolar is really tough. Right. But yeah, you got to get not, her. I'm
5: not even saying, I'm not saying she has it because she's not mm-hmm. seeing right. anybody. Right. officially. But right.
2: she needs a, in the
6: family. She
2: needs yeah. an assessment. Well, diagnosis. and with the
6: family suicidality, right? And she's right. doing the self-harm. I mean, it used to be we could call the police and they would send the, the psychiatric emergency team yeah. to evaluate yeah. someone. And we could put them on a hold if they were a danger mm-hmm. to themselves and others. Yeah. That you, it really has to be extreme for them to do that. Yeah, nowadays. but
2: they do still do that. I mean, yeah. I, in fact, we know somebody who just did it in Denver. Oh, okay. but here in yeah, the yeah. here in California, yeah. where we're at, where you and I right. are at, uh, they that's still that's still there. It just has to be, you know, you, more of an extreme. It's, it's well,
6: right. And you may have to when you call say, "I'm worried that she's a threat right. to herself and others." It, exactly.
2: Right. Even in terms of the way. So again, this goes back to going back to getting an intervention so that somebody can help you even say the right words to her and mm-hmm. the right words to, you know, the authorities, okay. because she definitely does need help. And, you, and, you, and it gets her out of the position of having to self-diagnose. And you all, too.
1: Right. Well, and well, sometimes so,
6: people that need the help the most don't recognize it, right? Exactly. That's sure. part of right. the problem.
1: So, Carol, right, the, right. the the initial thing that you asked about was your grandson, who's mm-hmm. three years old. She's kind of diagnosed, right? Is that what you, that's another concern, along with the daughter-in-law who's struggling. Is that
5: right? The grandson, I'm concerned about the well-being of the yeah. grandson right. because right. he is semi-protected, but... When yeah. you know the mothers having right. meltdowns and hiding in the right. back room, and you have mm-hmm. to take your child right. out of the house, and so they're, so they're, Carol,
1: here's yeah this is, I wanted to clarify that because here's the issue: if your son is the father, this is the challenge that he has at hand, and if he is not oh, yeah. in therapy, he needs the, to start there because mm-hmm. it's going to take a process. This isn't um, right now. What everybody's doing is holding their breath, hoping right. that nothing goes wrong. And she's suffering and the child is going to suffer. Thank God they're in daycare. But this isn't just, you know, in a 911 thing. It is literally he knows that she's got the challenge and he's living with it. So he's having I mean, this is traumatic for people who are in relationship with folks that have mental illness. It's just yeah. it's part of it. We will get you in touch with uh, one of our interventionists. I'm going to send you a copy of Understanding and Love a Person with Bipolar Disorder. And we're also going to get you connected with a counselor for your son to begin this process. Thank you for calling, Carol. Thanks, Jill. Thanks, Jim. If you are on hold, hold on because we'll get to your call after this. Thanks for listening.
4: Thanks for listening. We hope this program has helped you by giving you insights for handling the challenges you face in your life. We want you to know that we're here for you. But you also need to know that New Life Live is a listener-supported ministry. To make your donation or to get any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. That's 1-800-639-5433 or write to us at New Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1029, Lake Forest, California, 92609. Please join
0: us again tomorrow for New Life Live. Thanks so much for listening. We hope something you heard will help you live in freedom today. If this content was helpful for you, we would love it if you'd take a minute, leave us a review, post about it, and rate it. Remember, we have resources and workshops online for you as you continue your journey. Go to NewLife.com and find out more information. And thank you for being part of the New Life community. We know that God desires all of us to live a life of wholeness and healing. And we're so glad that you're here.